Hey everybody, I hope everyone's having a great week and off to a great start for 2024. I personally am very optimistic about what the coming year is going to bring us all. I'd like to welcome back Cheyenne of the great band Trivax, as well as the host of Iblis Manifestation, a fellow horseman. Of course, we talk about the brand new Trivax album, Eloa Burns Out, but we also veer off into a variety of other topics, which was my hope that we would do. And uh, this conversation will not disappoint any of you. Before we get going, I want to shout out the other horsemen. Kicking the week off, we have Horror Wolf 666, brought to you by Brandon Legion. Tuesday, we have Into the Necrosphere, brought to you by Jackie Smith. Of course, Wednesday, Everything Went Black comes at you. I return on Thursday, Necro Thursday, with Mike Scandato and Jeff Kashid for Necromaniacs Podcast. Friday, Spitball Media comes at you. Saturday is a day off. But Sunday, Carl Hikara deploys Soul Knox, a podcast delving into the darkness of the universe, all things macabre and esoteric. Carl and I have been continuing our collaborative darkness weaves in which we explore the work of Carl Edward Wagner. And as I mentioned earlier, Cheyenne brings us Iblis Manifestations, the newest member of the Horsemen of the Podcasting Apocalypse. If you enjoy this, please share. Please share the other Horsemen podcasts as well. We're trying to build up a conglomerate of free thinkers to battle mediocrity. Also, if you want to support this podcast, you can join our Patreon. For as little as $1 a month, you can support the show. For $5 a month, you can get all the bonus material as well as early access to the content. And now, with no further ado, here we go. Cheyenne, it's great to have you back on the show. Welcome back. And uh, it's been quite, 2023 has been quite a year for you, it seems. Thank you, man. First off, it's fucking great to be back here. Uh, finally, I know the last time I was on was from the uh, Into the Void era was when we had just released that one. So, uh, yeah, really happy to be back here. And yeah, man, last year was a fucking whirlwind from start to finish. So, uh, yeah, proud of the way the whole thing went, I think. So, yeah, and, and obviously very happy with where things are with Trivex on the other side of it, too. So, yeah, can't complain, man. It's been good. You know, congratulations on the new record. Uh, Eloa Burns Out is um, figuring very high in uh, my end of the year for 2023 uh, top albums. And uh, ah. Jackie and I usually do, uh, you know, an episode together. And uh, without giving too much away, because this is ahead of that episode, I think it's timely that you and I spoke before that episode airs. So congratulations. Thank you so much, brother. I really appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I mean, this record, it's a, it's a funny one. I mean, for us, uh, the like the biggest victory was just the fact that we got it out after so many delays, so many different issues and things, uh, not in the creative side of things, but more in the publishing side that, you know, we never would have thought it would have taken us four years from when we actually recorded the album until we released it but here we are man it happened and uh, it almost feels like despite the delay that it was the right thing you know like i very much uh you know i i have this 
interesting relationship with with the world and and life and the way events transpire you know and I'm a big believer of reason and and karma and uh and looking back at it I think this album is uh the way it turned out is I think it was the right thing you know perhaps we needed to build the band further within those four years to really match the power of the of the record you know both live and as far as our own capabilities but also just in terms of the uh, the depth of the band in general you know and obviously a lot happened in those four years so yeah i'm just very proud to finally get it out and to have the response that we have had is quite fucking mind-blowing to be honest and it's been really overwhelming seeing how many uh top albums of the year it's actually made it to you know obviously and again i really appreciate you <laughs> making uh that inclusion as well but uh it's not why we record and release albums but it's pretty fucking cool to see it uh you know once it's actually out there yeah, i mean no, no, none of us do this for that you know reason but it's always nice to get acknowledgement you know and and um Sure. For example, you know, I, I always like when people that I respect, you know, enjoy my work and, you know, and, and I, um, you know, just want to show, show my appreciation that, you know, the, the new record is, is quite a bit of a stretch from the last record. It's not saying the last, the last older material was any lesser, but I, I just want to underscore what I view as a huge progression in the songwriting, you know, even the passion of this of the material mm -hmm. um it's just uh it seems like the material has like a, a deep a deeper meaning to you and or maybe it's a clearer expression of some of the passions that you have or some of the ideas that are swimming around in your head um but yeah it, it really resonated with me and and aside from the feeling of it like the actual riffs i have to give you props on the intros to your songs because uh, i'm big on intros <laughs> and sure. um, i know that <laughs> yeah and, and i love i love like a, a good solid intro and there's tons of really solid intros on this record so you know hell you know serpent's gaze the intro on that gets me ready ready to do damage you know what i mean fuck yeah man that's what i love to hear thank you so much you, you know what the expression is game knows game right and uh wow. and yeah man <laughs> <laughs> no i really appreciate hearing that i think it's uh yeah if we want to make the comparison between the uh, first and the second album, I mean, the first album's just fucking weird. You know, it's so cryptic. That's the word that I find I keep coming back to in recent interviews is that it's a very cryptic album. It just doesn't make sense. And, uh, you know, on one hand, it's super underground and super like weird, dissonant chords here and there and then some other songs on there are just like borderline pop and it's one of them things it was gonna be either the case that everyone was gonna absolutely love that album or that everyone was gonna hate it and uh and obviously um with great thanks to my um my pr genius of 2016 no one even heard it so <laughs> you know that was uh Obviously, people are going back and listening to it now, going, "Holy shit, what the fuck is this?" Um, but uh, but yeah, you know, it's um, it is what it is. I think Sin, our first album, is a piece of art. You know, that's really the best I can describe it. But I guess the same could be said about Eloa Burns Out. Uh, I definitely could be the same. But the difference is that um, whatever the intent behind Eloa Burns Out was, it was something that we didn't 
beat around the bush with it. it. We just went straight to the fucking point. We said, yes, we can do this. Yes, we can do this. Yes, we can do that. You know, and it was not, uh, you know, I think for your first album, people kind of judge you in a funny way where it's like, um, you know, they assess your capabilities. And uh, and then with this one, it was kind of like, well, hang on a minute. This We can actually do all of these things. We were just trying to be weird. But anyway... It's a weird fucking mental wrestle that perhaps I've been through. Some of it is perhaps just unnecessary overthinking. But all I can say is, LOL burns out. I couldn't be any more proud of it. I think that every small aspect of it, whether it was recording, whether it was production, whether it was songwriting, whether it was just rehearsing the songs, whether it was doing the press, whether it was doing music videos, the artwork, whatever, we went 110% on every single one of those aspects. Uh, not to mention also the photography session that we did for it, which was with Esther Sagara at the uh, at this chapel in London. You know, that was a fucking massive project just for the photo shoot. Uh, and obviously the video that I guess everyone's seen now for Azrael, um, the whole thing, we just went all in on it. And it's, I, I gotta say, it's nice to see how it paid off, but the real victory was just beholding the whole thing and feeling nothing but pride and satisfaction. That's for sure. Well, just a couple of things with regards to what you were saying. So the record was recorded four years ago or the material was composed four years ago? Uh, the record was recorded four years ago. The material was finished in 2018. That's right. Oh, wow. Damn. Yeah. Okay. That, I mean, I mean, that that sounds... So So for four years, this uh, material has been like, you know, archived, waiting to be unleashed. And But yep. it seems so, so, so fresh and brand new. That's the thing, man. It's like, I mean, you know, obviously I haven't heard any of this stuff until, you know, last year. But the... Uh, oh, that That's... that's that's like just that alone in and of itself requires like such, in my opinion, an incredible amount of resolve to stick to it. You know I mean? I know that if I'd written stuff and recorded it and four years had gone by, um, I don't know what kind of, what kind of mindset I would have really. I mean, just the determination to continue with that is, is, is astounding. And you know, that, that's a, that's a detail that just kind of can go right by a lot of people, you know, maybe yeah. people who aren't necessarily engaged in a you know, creative pursuit. You think about four years of your life, you create this thing and it just lays dormant and what kind of mental toll it takes on you. So, you know, you want to talk about that a little bit? Man, I, I really appreciate you taking notice. Um, and, you know, before I go into it, I also have to give you credit and thank you on the record for the help that you gave the band in searching for a label, you know, that none of that's forgotten. So I do very much appreciate that. And um, as far as uh, the the four-year wait, yeah, like I kept joking with everyone saying Trivex has got blue balls because we've been holding on to the semen of L.O.R. Burns out for fucking so long, <laughs> you know. But um, actually, yeah, so let me sort of bring that back. Yeah, so we started recording in may 2019 finished recording by august of the same year and the album was mixed and mastered by november 2019 so we've had to sit on it ever since then so the into the void that you all heard i guess i get to kind of reveal the secrets now that's from the same recording session but what i decided to do in my crazy insane mind uh I decided that Eloa Burns Out was too good of an album to come straight after Sin. 
So we should try and bridge the gap a bit, a little bit. So what I decided to do was to do a shittier, more underground mix of Into the Void and release that as a as a project instead, which actually seemed to bridge the gap quite well, I would say. You know, I mean, conceptually, first of all, it kind of lubed everyone's brains up a little bit, you know, considering the uh, the difference between the two records. But also then that actually became its own like pillar that now stands in our uh, back catalog and era as a band, you know, still really pr proud of that release, the way it came out. But uh, but yeah, you know, it was sort of like um, we just took one of the songs and then made a whole EP out of it. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a listen. It's been a it's been a wild journey. I mean, um, the songwriting of Eloa Burns Out coincided with uh, a lot of extreme personal shifts in all of our lives. You know, for me, actually, the beginning of Eloa Burns Out's uh, songwriting coincided with me realizing I had to make some improvements in my life. So what perhaps might not be as noticeable to other people, at least for people who followed my personal story and know about my transformation with the with the physical side of things and the weight loss and the whole mental health thing that I've been through, which I've been very vocal about for anyone who's uh, obviously not seen or heard before. Um, those songs, when I look back at them, they map out my own progress because each one of them was written during a period of struggle that I was trying to better myself somehow and figure out my shit along the way but uh if i may also give a little bit of um positive news here you know which is probably the the uh the elephant in the room that everyone's probably thinking if if everyone does the maths together and says okay if the last material that was written on eloa burns out was done in 2018 which by the way was for the actual last song Dunya, then that means that they must have written more songs since then right so there is that to to also ponder about somewhere in in, in the back of people's minds. <laughs> yeah, I know that's what I was thinking too. Because I mean, you know, you know, people. I mean, anyone out there who doesn't play in a band or create, you know, it's not it's not like okay, great, we made a record, then we're not going to do anything again until it's time to make another record. It's probably yeah. just like a constant. I mean, I imagine like you know, every day there's some idea like kicking around your head for some song, like you're you know, probably humming some tune or imagining other riffs or fragments of lyrics. That's like a constant thing that probably runs through your head, I imagine. So those things have probably come into fruition at some point in, in four years. So I imagine there's at least another album that's like at least conceptually existing. You know what I mean? You would hope so, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... What can I say, man? It's, um, you know, all I can say to people is to just enjoy the progression on LOR Burns Out, but don't expect that the progression's ending there. That's all I'll say. So, so LOR versus Elohim. Like, I, one's like uh, Hebrew and one's like more of a Middle Eastern uh, word for God. Is that, did I get that right? Well, actually, uh, the whole word is one that's quite common around the languages over there anyway. But uh, Eloah is actually just the singular for Elohim. Because Elohim is actually a collective, from my understanding. So Eloah is, is referring to a singular deity. Uh, Eloah is also very similar to Elohe, which is in Farsi, which is also, well, it's basically Allah, 
okay? So what we're referring to in this context is one singular omnipotent deity, which is God. And uh, it's about the burning out of uh, of this God. You know, the way I like to look at it, if you want to really get into the concept of what the album means, um, what this is referring to is uh, is, let's say you've got one ultimate God, and this is the burning out of that God. The way I observe God is as a, some kind of a life form that's perhaps beyond our understanding. But then we also know that all life forms are vulnerable in this universe. And, uh, you know, the universe, as we know, is infinite. However, at the same time, it is always vulnerable and destructive also. So uh, just because it's infinite doesn't mean that it's invincible. And I applied the same context to the... Uh, to the understanding of God as well. So what I wanted to envision was the final moment, not just for one person, but for everything. I wanted to envision the very last moment uh, with my small little human brain as best as I could. But uh, that's what really depicts. And the last song, Dar Akhare Dunya, which means at the end of the world, uh, the Farsi song, that one is basically depicting the burning out of the sun in our solar system you know which we all know is going to happen someday uh unless we get swallowed by a black hole you know which would be you know conceptually still aligned with that i guess but um the the thing of that is that um it's the you know it's the ending of all life as we know it you know and it's not life just humanity it's not life just insects and bugs and animals but it's the consciousness of the planets and the stars all imploding at one so that's really where that title comes from it's definitely a heavy topic and uh, it makes me think a little bit about um some of the ideas of uh of like like being versus unbeing you know where mm -hmm. the idea of the void where like life you know is another facet of not existing and life is suffering and the two things sort of are diametric to each other um there's a book i just read about that and it talks a lot about um like not existing and existing and the two it, it's basically i don't know it sounds like a silly idea but it's it's um how the cyclical nature like you talk about the black hole enveloping reality and consciousness and then becoming nothing and then out of that void it's another cycle of life that would most likely that material would end up reassembling in some other form into like a whole other you know era and that you know kind of ties in with like the different ideas of the ages and different eras and sort of that you know that sort of idea so, you know, uh, I love this topic, by the way, I can, you know, you've started me off now, but the one really interesting uh, thing that happened in my mind uh, around actually exactly 10 years ago now is when I first did ACID, one interesting thing that kept coming to me and a general realization that I did through doing different sketches and trying to observe life just through different sketches like it was unlocking all these boxes of understanding in my mind. The thing that I realized, and you know, the one thing that we all have to remember is that energy is never created or destroyed. It only changes format. Now, what is life and consciousness? 
So to me, the way I look at that is that life in itself, you know, like there's always energy everywhere. Energy is all around us. And imagine you have a sea, right? There's energy in that. But then to me, what defines life is when somehow a magnetic field or some kind of a container comes and grabs hold of some of that energy. So where you have endless chaos, chaos doesn't mean lack of substance or lack of material or lack of energy, but rather a lack of a presence that holds all of that together. So to me, the order, which is life, comes and gives uh, a home to that energy. So look at it like this. It's like you've got a sea. And that sea is chaos. You know, it's energy, but it's chaos. There's no home to it. Yet you come and grab a bowl out of that sea and you hold it out like a like a little fish tank. And then that's life because that's containing that thing. So to me, the way I also observe consciousness as a whole and how we are as human beings and the life on this planet is like that there is this sea of chaos and every single one of us are, are these like little bubbles of magnetic field that rose out of that sea they come from the same place but then they are their own they have their own gravitational force yes we come from the same place but then we are all different you know but that it's sort of like uh you know, it's like God trying to observe itself. But then the thing you got to look at is the overall sea, the sea that we all come from. And that's my observation of con consciousness as a whole and, uh, and really what it means to have a mind, you know. So when you're saying going into nothingness, well, what is going into nothingness? Uh, because the energy, that's not going to just disappear uh, out of nowhere that has to change format so the way i identify death is the breakdown of that order that holds that energy together does that make sense yeah no that, that's the way I, I look at i look at chaos in like almost like a thermodynamic sort of way where you know chaos equals more like an like entropy you know it's not like you know all these guys with the spiky hair you know chaos ah you know like going around in circles and you know punk rock that's not how i look at chaos chaos is entropy and lack of organization and you know most of our reality is empty space you know and these particles yeah. organize themselves to make these bodies and masses that are around us you know and and uh that once again you mentioned like some sort of magnetic field or some field that binds all these particles together to form me you this table you know, my cat, like all this stuff, you know, guitars, amps, that stuff. But, um, but that all goes eventually goes into entropy and randomness, lack of organization, AKA chaos, and then recycled into other bodies and masses and universes and cars and credit cards and cats and all this other stuff. Absolutely. So the way I like to look at it when uh, when when talking about that same entropy is one thing that we all seem to forget just because we're always surrounded by life is that in existence as a whole life is a minority. And I'm not talking 
about life as in the life that we know it like i said the humans and the animals and the insects and the bacteria and the microbiome no 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 i'm talking about anything that's pulsating and existing in the universe such as the stars the the cosmos the all the little planets and the moons and all the asteroids to me that is life and the thing that you got to remember is that that's still a minority. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a very cold and dark realization about what we live in, but also what we can take away from that is to actually appreciate the little bit of life that we have. The fact that we get to actually have our own consciousness to even observe this whole crazy thing. You know, I mean, you could also think that we are a disease. Yeah, you know, but... At the same time, um, you know, what a blessing it is to be a disease. You could totally change the perspective. You could say, I'm trapped in this consciousness, or you could say, holy fuck, I am God, and I am in this smaller format, and I'm observing everything. You know, that that perspective is is one that can be, uh, it's, it's, it's quite intense when, when you actually realize what's happening. And uh, But going back to the concept of the album as well, the Eloa that's burning out, that's the, uh, it's the cold knowledge that yes, despite all the, you know, like let's ju just think about the sun itself, you know, despite all of the powerful energy that would radiate from it throughout all this time you know this ancient fucking gas star and one day it will expand to the ultimate and take everything with it only to go back to being a small little white dwarf in the middle of black nothingness and that's that's the fate of everything you know that's that's the thing i'm i'm, I'm looking at here you know, and one of the, one of the things like there's like sort of uh, the glass empty and glass uh, full, half full people um, who might look at that idea as uh, nihilistic and depressing. Uh, but then there's also people out there that look at that as a very freeing sort of idea, like that knowledge. You know, meaning that like in the infinite timeline, we, the time that we have in existence is like so insignificant that you should actually try to embrace life instead of just bum out and think about how everything is meaningless because it gives you the power to assign your own meaning to your own life. And, uh, you know, that, that idea that we just mentioned, I don't find that to be nihilistic at all. I find it to be very empowering. Oh, fucking yeah, man. You're speaking my language now. I mean, you know, like the whole fucking thing. Yes. It's a matter of perspective. The thing, the fact of the matter is that it's the truth. It's the truth as we know it. So what are you going to do? How are you going to observe it? Are you just going to say, well, I guess nothing matters, so I'm not going to do fucking anything anyway. I'm just going to sit on my couch and smoke weed until I die. Or you can say, holy shit, nothing matters. Let me go out there and conquer the entire planet, you know, and let me conquer the world. Let, let's see how far we can push this. Let's see how far we can push with innovation or arts or love. Like how much more can we push on that if it means that it's going to end? You know, it's like when you're playing a video game. And you know that the game's going to end anyway, but you've got this drive and urge to set the highest score on there anyway, right? Like, you yeah, know that it's finite, but you're still going to have a crack at having the highest score on like an old arcade game or something. And that's life. 
That's the that's the simple nature of our beings. There's no point fighting it and and sitting around and thinking about it because the fact of the matter is, doesn't matter which one of those approaches you want to take, whether you want to sit around or and and say, well, I guess nothing matters, or if you want to go and actually give it your all, the end will come nevertheless. So, how about you at least earn it? Right. At least that's the way I try to think of it anyway. You know, so that's what that's what also makes you um, somewhat friction proof in life as well. You know, so even if shit goes wrong, you're kind of like, well, all right, I, I'll give it my best, you know, or I'll still see how I can go through this. Fuck it. You know, uh, it's finite anyway. And that's uh, it's actually funny that this topic has come up today because it's very relevant to the to the day that I've had. <laughs> really yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I have kind of a day too so you know <laughs> yeah yeah. Feel you, man. Uh, yeah but you know the week's coming to an end and you get a couple of days of respite which is nice you know but uh exactly it happy all new comes year, to an end by the way happy new year <laughs> thank you man yes yes happy new year too too sorry i was too busy being grim there um yeah i think 2024 yeah. is gonna be uh, very very interesting uh hopefully uh, excited to eventually see tombs as well man would be really cool to see that yeah so we're hoping too i mean 2023 for me personally was a little bit more of an introspective year like i i uh had to go inward a lot in the last year and now uh 2024 is going to be more of a extroverted year uh with the band performing more uh recording like you know other projects getting off the ground um travel like that sort of stuff so um so yeah i'm looking forward to the new year as well and yeah we'd love to make it over there at some point again it's been a while since we've been to europe so i know it has yeah are, did you say you are going to uh, inferno as well in norway no no uh i i'm not i have no plans to go to that but um th there was talk last year of me coming out to just to hang out not the band to play and um but yeah as far as like my visitations to europe at the end of this year i'm going to be going to uh, unholy passion festival to uh to, in cologne um cool you know last, last you know that that's always fun to hang out i mean I, I there might be some performing going on you know i'm not going to talk too much about that but um but you know as far as like tombs doing a full-on uh, european tour um Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. You know, maybe next year. Because our, our new album will, probably won't be out this year. It'll be out in 2025. So, um, yeah, that's kind of the deal. Sure. But maybe we can... I would love to share the stage, man. That'd be great. You know, do some dates together, that sort of thing. It'd be awesome. Well, you just took the words out of my mouth. I was just going to say, it'd be cool if we got the opportunity to team up, man. It would be a cool, fucking powerful uh, combination, for sure. Might, might be too much for some people. But, yeah, I think that'd be great. <laughs> well, if it's not too much, then it's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> that's nah, why nah, we yeah, do this absolutely you know fuck yeah but man. uh absolutely. you know so the video um the asriel video uh you know that when that came out it was a big fan it's great um so what's the what was the production behind that what was the story with the production of that video well it started with an idea that i had in my head um actually just around the time we were recording the album so again it's a it's a four now almost five-year-old idea that i've had in my head and uh one crazy thing about it is if you listen to the song during that flagellation scene in the middle 
you actually hear chains on the actual studio riff. And that's because I already knew back then what I wanted to do with the video that we would eventually record for it sometime later. Um, so the uh, it was a very fucking cool project as a whole. I mean, I would have been happy with it if it only had, I don't know, a hundred views or whatever, but it just seems to have really obviously excelled on that side of things, which is really, really nice to have that. But I was just happy with it as an art piece. So we, uh, we basically uh, met up with our uh, director and producer, Alex DeMoller. Uh, we met up with him. Uh, well, I met up with him uh, in London, January, 2022. And, uh, and I had a lot of ideas, you know, so him and I, we spent a solid two or three days, just going over ideas and uh you know and he's obviously since then become a very good friend of mine anyway you know uh and uh he's a fucking solid guy he plays um guitars in Scythian and Craven Idol for those who don't know uh great fucking bands also but yeah Alex and I we just started going through these ideas I said to him what I wanted to do I told him I wanted to create fucking revolt in the middle east you know and he to totally took that on board because he's very familiar with uh iranian culture in particular you know which is kind of like helped us click a little bit more with him having such a good understanding of where i come from and then uh yeah <laughs> i think uh we did the uh we did the two three days of ideas and sketches we did a, a good couple of zoom meetings with like the whole production crew and everything just going through everything and then the uh the first uh, day of shooting was in uh, in Suffolk, England, um, down at this farm uh, by this family who just kindly gave it to us. And uh, all of the band shots that you see that are indoors were shot there. And uh, it was a fucking immense vibe, man. Like, I think back at that and I just go straight back to being in that place. Like, if you felt the energy in that room when we had the whole setup and the whole the uh, the heads and the candles and the fire and the smoke, like some of it, I almost feel like isn't even captured on the video because the fucking vibe of that place was insane. Them intro shots when I'm playing the Saz, that is me, by the way, for anyone thinking that's me playing the intro. Um that the the whole atmosphere of that room was so fucking dense but there was something so powerful so good about it i i will never forget that experience and uh and yeah so we did that over like a couple of days uh the main shoot was just in one day but we had um I think we had uh, eight crew members for that one. And then uh, we did the other one a month later in Sheffield with the with the flagellation scenes and the vocal shots that we did. And that was also a very tiring, but very, very cool experience. You know, everyone left with their backs in fucking pieces and like skin hanging off from doing those chain shots because we did that for, I believe we were doing it for a good three or four hours, those uh, chain flagellation shots where we were beating ourselves. We were really doing it. And there was like, there was actual blood and everything just from beating ourselves for so long. And uh, yeah, listen, man, I couldn't be more proud of how it fucking turned out. Uh, it was an awesome, awesome project, really. Yeah, I was going to comment, comment on that. I mean, you look like you guys are going pretty hard. So I was like, respect. <laughs> you know what I mean? That was, that was, you know, going, going the walk in the walk. You know what I mean? I thought that was really cool. Absolutely. I, one of our friends who came and did this, Connor, he's the vocalist in my other band, Weird Stuff. 
he's a fucking maniac. He was like almost going extra hard as if he was trying to prove himself something. He was like almost like David Goggins zing the shit. You know, <laughs> it was like at the end of it, he turned around and his old back looked like a fucking... You know, it looked like a tray of pate with like a little sprays of blood in the middle somewhere. It was fucking awesome, you know. And he said he had to, when he had to get the train to go back home afterwards, he couldn't lean back. Uh, so, yeah, it was, there was a lot of blood, sweat and tears, literally, that, that went into making the Azrael video happen. So, um, what can I say? I'm, I'm happy with how it turned out, but I guess even happier that it's had the response that it's had. So, fuck yeah. yeah. I imagine the aftermath is really when you start feeling things, you know, it's like when you're, you're all like in the middle of it, when you're, you know, you got the adrenaline going and you don't feel, you don't feel the, the pain of that sort of extremity. And probably until hours later, you know, or even the next day when you wake up, you realize like when all that adrenaline runs out of your system, how much actual pain you're probably, in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for me, I almost don't feel it, you know. Uh, I was I keep focusing on everyone else because I didn't feel anything. For me, it didn't hurt because it's my vision. I know exactly what I'm doing, um, you know. So that's the reason why I keep talking about everyone else being injured or hurt. And for me, it was normal. I knew exactly what I was doing, and I enjoyed every single second of it. And you know, the reward is. You know, it's it's one of them things. Even if I did hurt afterwards, um, I don't think I felt it just because of how happy I was that uh, that vision that I had in mind uh, got executed. And, you know, another thing I got to tell you as well, which makes that whole thing even further symbolic, is that when we got the release date for it, we uh, I didn't know when that release date was as far as it's... Uh, its position in uh, Islamic uh, religions, should we say, uh, in 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 an Islamic uh, context, I didn't connect the dots until after the video came out. But basically, I mean, this is fucking mind blowing to me. You can't make this shit up, man. What happened was so the thing that we're doing, that flagellation, that's what we were doing was essentially an imitation, but also slash mockery of what the muslims do especially especially the shiites you know they do that chain flagellation for imam hussein who's muhammad's third descendant you know and uh, ali's youngest son uh because he was uh, survived he, he was starved and basically uh killed in the in the desert you know and uh, yazid's army apparently it was ten thousand of them versus 72 of imam hussein's army i don't know it's kind of it's one of them stories it's a story you know yeah, like maybe so it happened like, maybe it didn't who knows but muslims to this day still mourn this and they mourn this fucking hard and they keep beating themselves up so we wanted to imitate that now the thing that happened the time when muslims do this is a particular month of the year called uh, they call it the period of uh, muharram they call it the period of Tasua and Ashura. That's what it is, you know, because it coincides with the time when Imam Hussein was fucked up in the desert. And unbeknownst to me until just after the video came out, we released that fucking video on, I believe, the second day of that month, right? How do you fucking <laughs> explain that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... it. 
it's interesting when things line up sometimes, you know, and um, I, I always, I always uh, kind of trip out on that when you're, you're, these things are operating on separate timelines, but then they intersect as if there was an intention behind all that. And maybe there was maybe deep down and mm -hmm. some subconscious level, like on some deep level, all this stuff was working towards the same end, you know? And I believe in that too. Like, I believe that like intentions sometimes guide you through life, you know? And uh, yeah, it's interesting, you know? And it's almost, it's, it's, it's like this inversion of that ritual is what you guys did basically. So, you know, earlier when I said that, oh, yeah, we had to wait four years for the album to come out, but somehow I feel like it came out at the right time. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, and, you know, that's the thing, man. It's like over the, I don't know, maybe in the last like eight or nine years of my life, I, I stopped trying to force things, you know, because I used to, in my younger years, I'd be like right up on top of things all the time, you know, pushing, 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 you know my own to my detriment sometimes you know and now in the last like yeah five or six years i work hard you know i put a lot of intention in things but i also know that sometimes when there's too much resistance to stuff stuff maybe you have to let it go and take its own course through things sometimes and that's kind of like maybe this four-year period like you were saying you know the intention was there it was cast out into the universe and then the right thing happened at the right time you know, and I, I believe in that for sure. Yeah, I, I believe in that wholeheartedly. Um, and that's really interesting what you're saying about pushing something endlessly. Uh, and, you know, because the, the thing that happens, a consequence of constantly pushing something in life and being so emotionally attached to it is the fact that you begin to ignore signs that the world and, and the life uh, throw at you. You know what I mean? And those signs are exactly the things that if you really want to stay true to your path, those are the signs you got to pay attention to. And, uh, you know, and you just got to go with your gut feeling, not with what you think in your head is right. It's almost like a physical sensation. You know if something is right in your heart uh, or if it isn't. And I have to say, I, I felt the same with Trivex. I mean, uh, I, you know, like that... The, the band had been my identity for so many years, you know, and this was all throughout the periods that no one had even heard of us. You know, I'm like, yes, we're doing this. We're going to go on tour. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And then eventually at some point, I think in, well, I know in 2020 when the lockdowns happened, I was like, well, I guess maybe this is not going to be my identity forever. So maybe I've kind of got to actually find my real identity, um, not outside of it, but the full picture rather than just looking at one aspect of it. So, yeah, yeah, there's, there's a lot to that, you know, and, uh, and yeah, life is all about flowing and paying attention and being intuitive and always, always moving and, and being, um, you know, being moldable. And then, you know, the, if you're too stiff, it'll just kick your ass, which is, uh, which I've, I've had plenty of that, you know, uh, <laughs> let me tell you. So this new path, um, that you're, you're, you're exploring right now, um, you know, it's career path, but also I feel like it sort of, it definitely connects with uh, your physical and emotional changes that have gone on in your life that we, you know, we talked about this a lot on the, your first, uh, you know, appearance on this podcast and, you know, the physical transformation and obviously the connection of that with your mental state. And now 
I don't know all the details of what you're trying to do right now as far as like um, training and, you know, so I want to talk about that, like how that stuff is like talking about extensions. How did that all come about? Well, uh, I mean, uh, if you really want to go back, uh, we'd be looking at a time in um, back in 2016, 17, I think February 2017. Uh, I can't remember if it was the maybe the 19th where I had myself weighed, but uh, I'm, I'm good with dates. Everyone knows that. Uh, <laughs> when I had myself weighed, I was something around, I think... Uh, 119 stone which is i think that's sorry 119 kilos which is uh just over 260 pounds for the american like listeners that, yeah. i was trying yeah, to do a quick yeah. calculation but yeah yeah something like yeah something like that that's right yeah and uh and yeah man you know it was uh it was a shitty time it was a shitty life i hated everything um my life was a mess i had no control over it and I had to really, really do a lot of work to dig myself out of that. But it all started with making the decision to do so because I found myself in this really position of black and white. You know, like a lot of times in life, we just bullshit ourselves. We're like, yeah, but there's this and then there's that. And then you think that there's too many options. And sometimes it helps to just strip everything down. And for me, the strip down was to say, okay, I'm either going to kill myself now or I'm going to fix everything. And I went with the latter, even though at the time it felt completely hopeless. I just knew. I was like, you know what? I'm going to fucking fix this shit. And uh, and I did. I did. I kept, uh, I started going to the gym. Didn't have any guidance. And I kept pushing and pushing and pushing. I didn't know what I was doing. First of all, for like the first year, year and a half, I had no fucking idea what I was doing. And, uh, and if I had someone there um, to help me, like I am now doing for other people, I probably would have, you know, I probably would have. Uh, progress faster but nevertheless you know i still put in the work kept showing up for myself and it got to the point where uh people around me were saying that oh you should stop doing this because it's like you're addicted you're like addicted to heroin or something that's that's uh potentially what what an ex-partner at the time might have said you know and as soon as i heard that i realized that well that person no longer belonged in my life um again that took a bit of time of its own and you know it was a difficult very very difficult thing obviously but um yeah i just got to the point where i realized that uh, i have a point i have a path i have a passion you know i'm lucky enough just to be alive i'm lucky enough just to have been able to get out of iran to actually do all these stuff that i always wanted to do all all these dreams and everything that i had and all things considered i'm still fairly at a good age to still be doing these things and still give my all and my best. So what the fuck am I doing? Waiting around and letting other people dictate my life. So I just said, fuck it, you know, let's just keep going. And I kept pushing until, well, just earlier, uh, around July last year, I actually did uh, prep for this photo shoot, um, which I did with my good friend Miley. Uh, and uh, during that prep, I was 76 kilos which is, I think, how much is that in pounds? I think that's about what eighty pounds lighter than the than where I was originally. Yeah, that that that's like a substantial amount of weight to lose, man. Over how 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 many years did it take you to lose that? That's. I mean, that's like to be honest with you, as far as I mean, the weight itself 
I probably already lost the majority of it within two, three years. But then the difficult part is packing on muscle and then yeah, losing yeah. more weight, packing muscle, then losing more fat, packing muscle, losing more fat. That's the that's the tough part, you know. So I've got pictures where I am the same weight as I am now, but I look way bigger than, than those pictures now than I did back then. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, body composition, definitely. Exactly, you know? yeah. So yeah, that's the key right there. Good weight versus bad, useless weight, you know. Yeah, there's that, you know, so this is not to get obsessed with weights and things like that as well. I always tell my clients, I say, listen, um, don't get too obsessed with the weight. It's a good indicator. But the thing you really want to be looking at is a how you look and b, uh, or, or rather even more importantly, how you feel. Right. And uh, and everyone, you know, I mean, fucking touch wood. So far, my clients have fucking smashed it. You know, I mean, it's been so rewarding for me to go through that whole trial by fire if you will and uh, and on the other side of it actually see the fact that i can actually help other people do the same like it almost makes me emotional you know it's a fucking uh, it's a really really cool rewarding thing and i am so so driven to help people as best as i can and uh, and i want to make that my life you know i am making that my life obviously Trivex and obviously Eblis Manifestations, they have very big places in my heart, in my life, and certainly my time. But um, other than that, it's uh, it's just making better human beings, you know, making people understand that they can be better versions of themselves. And that's really uh, the, the thing I'm, I'm focused on right now. And so far, so good, you know, and I'm not doing it just, just to have a career. I'm doing it because it's the thing I really enjoy doing and uh, and yeah i can't wait to do more of it you know and i can't wait to start revealing some results to people as well because i've got some really good fucking ones so uh i'm excited i'm excited to reveal some of those but so far uh it's just my own that people can look at but listen at the end of the day if you want to make positive changes and shifts in your life the uh the triggers in your own hand and that that's that's really all it is no one else is going to hold your hand and walk you through it you have to put in the effort yourself you know and uh, especially as a man it's your responsibility to do it and it's hard it's not easy it fucking sucks sometimes but you know at the end uh it's going to be worthwhile yeah that connection between mind mind and physical is it seems to be lost being lost by people you know and it's like you know yeah my whole life i've been connected to the physical world you know, my own physicality and, you know, earlier in my life doing, you know, wrestling and then martial arts and everything. So I understood like how my brain works better when I'm in good condition, you know, and how if I, my cardio is good, I feel strong. I think better, I think more clearly, you know, and that is like an indicator. My mood is an indicator of how good physical condition I, I'm in, you know what I mean? And like, not, mm. not, you know, I can get obsessive, of course, but I mean, there's like a balance between those two things, which, you know, I work at, I work at a desk job, you know, I'm, I'm in, I'm in the city all the time on the subway and people just, you can see it on the, the way that in their, their posture that yes. there's an imbalance, you know what I mean? That they're not moving their bodies enough, that they're spending too much time focusing on things and that that anxiety is building up, you know, and, and aside from looking good and, you know, whatever, being able to take your shirt off at the beach and everything, just the moving your body has such a profound positive impact on just the way your mind works too, you know? 
Absolutely, man. There's one thing I, I love doing is I like to dance, right? I know it's the least metal thing anyone's ever heard, but I'm a Persian. First of all, it runs in my fucking blood to move. <laughs> oh, yeah, and, yeah, I mean, I'm part Italian, you know, so, you know, I'm a Guido. So There I have you a... go. Right on. Right yeah. on. That's it. Uh, that probably explains why we get along so well, by the way. Italian right. people, and I, I don't know what it is. It's just I've always had a very good good uh, bond with Italians. But uh, I think that we're we're kind of similar, maybe with uh, with Persians. You know, there's like a there's a lot more. There's a lot of passion is the word I can use. You know, is that there's passion. You know, there's fucking. You know, and uh, <laughs> and, and and yeah, to me. It's, you know, life is movement, you know, this thing, this vessel that you've got, you got to respect it, you know, but, but you respect it by serving the, the purpose that it has, you know, which is to move, which is to thrive, which is to um, sometimes go through a little bit of struggle, you know, like everything atrophies if you don't use it. And that's not just your body, but it's your mind as well. And the two are intertwined. The two are connected. So the lesser you use your body, the lesser your mind is connected to your body. And, you know, that's not a good thing. We, in the modern world, always observe ourselves as if we are just avatars, which, by the way, scares the fuck out of me. And now what do I mean by that? You already pointed at this and you put it down very well saying that nowadays people aren't really connected with their bodies anymore. And that's true because, uh, you know, when you're always sat on a desk and it's only your mind that you're using and not your body, there's a huge imbalance there. And when your mind observes things, this is my theory anyway, is that when your mind is going through things, emotions get created and energy somehow, I don't know, transfers within you but then if your body's not moving those emotions get trapped and somehow that's like a disease or a poison that just weighs us down and uh, i noticed this in myself you know if i have days where i mean ironically enough part of my job uh, as a as a fitness coach is the fact that because i work with clients all over the world you know i've got clients in america australia germany because I've got people everywhere, part of my job is to just sit down and, and look at a screen and communicate to them or speak to them over the phone and, you know, do all these things, which is ironically actually quite sedentary on my part. So even I feel that, you know, if I've been sat down for too long, I start thinking like, oh, shit, you know, I, I feel I feel like crap, you know, and then all it takes, you know, I was like that today with work. I, I had a really fucking, you know, uh, tough time because i still work besides all of this as well and uh all i had to do was just go to the gym stick on a couple of plates you know and do a few five reps of bench press and it's like there we go back to normal now <laughs> and uh and, and that's that's how it is you know i'm sure you probably feel that even more with jujitsu because that's such a that's such a high risk high reward kind of a situation that you have to be so alert you just forget about everything else right yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I just, I recently hurt, I hurt my knee a few weeks ago. So I, again, so I've been, uh, you know, I haven't Damn. really been training. So, um, you know, just, just in the last like few days, um, I've been able to like, you know, feel mobile again, which is good, you know, cause I was like, uh, you know, through the holidays, like I couldn't straighten my leg out and, you know, I had all this, you know, nothing, nothing, not, not a debilitating injury, but I was set back enough where, the anxiety and like the you know it wasn't sleeping well and you can feel that 
negative energy collecting in your body you know but uh but now i started oh yeah so i mean you know just just a couple days ago i started i was able to like do some swings some kettlebell swings push-ups and you know i'm out moving my body and i'll probably go back to training next week which is good but uh but yeah that's that's like a real you know like not not making it down to the gym and and, you know besides from the physical activity of it the connection with the you know the guys that you know, I train with it's like you know mm. the greatest thing in the world because the camaraderie you know, well and also how different everyone is too like um without well it's for me it's Muay Thai but like you know I, I don't really train jiu-jitsu anymore but like the um the Muay Thai community that I'm part of is like guys I would never be friends with unless for that you know I mean we have the band music that's like my probably my number one passion really you know what i mean and that's a certain type of person you know what i mean the people are we're all into the same things we dress alike you know we like the same types of stuff same movies and everything but then you go down to the gym and you got guys from all different cultures different neighborhoods different you know points of view different political leanings you know and it's like you all get along because it's like you all have that one common thing and it's it's like the most beautiful you know all age groups you know all the most beautiful thing in the world to go out there and be friends with people that you have on the surface not a whole lot in common with but once you get to know them you realize that you guys are everyone kind of thinks the same way eventually you know it's like the things that are important you know in life are common you know you want to be happy you want to be your loved ones to do well you want your friends to do well you want to be part of something like that's all one of the things that connects everybody you know even if some guy likes horrible music or whatever and like you know whatever his thing is is cool you know you 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 learn how to like adapt to everyone's unique perspectives and that's unfortunately at least in the united states that's not the way most people seem to go about their lives they want to be segmented and compartmentalized and keep everyone separated and all that sort of stuff you know yeah that's it's fucking crazy in the u.s man i mean there's such a divide it's a little bit like that here in the uk as well you know like because uh i could go into the parties and how everyone identifies by each different party you know and then everyone's like anyone who's a tory is a cunt or whatever and then it's like yeah you know <laughs> i mean i listen i i get it but at the same time you can't just wholesale buy ideologies you know like like for me i'm always have made a clear distinction especially in the last few years that i've become more educated on politics in particular you know because before that i was always just like yeah destroy the fucking system kill everyone fuck him (laughs) you know know, that was me for for so many years so when someone asked me are you left wing or right wing i just tell him fuck off you know um obviously as i've got more mature i've um I've become more educated on the subject of politics, but even then, I always make a distinction between, uh, okay, um, I may be, uh, I don't know, I may be a left-wing person, but I don't necessarily support left-wing policies, or I might be a right-wing person, but I don't necessarily uh, support right-wing policies. There's a difference there. You know, just I'm not going to weigh my own values as a person based on 
predisposed fucking template wholesale bullshit that's out there. You know, I can think about for myself. Thank you. And there will be things that I'll agree with on one side and there'll be same things that, you know, there'll be stuff that I'll also disagree with the same side and the same applies to both. And yes, it might be more lenient towards one side than the other, but nevertheless, I am not going to consider the enemy of my enemy, my friend, and, and vice versa, you know? So, and I think that's a really important thing that we all need to kind of keep in eye out for and rather than look at each other as these objects of red or blue uh instead actually look at each other as yeah that's that's a human being yes some people are so far gone some people when take themselves so far down the path of segregation they become you know completely intolerable uh i i, I feel that way about a lot of people but you know then you know you don't have to associate with them anymore but uh, but yeah, it's it's a crazy fucking thing, you know. I think uh, you know when it when it concerns politics, um, the more I'm educating myself on it, because sometimes as well, you don't have the answer, you know. So it, the the thing that the thing that fucking throws me off is like some issue happens, and then everyone is expected to have an expert opinion. Where it's like, well, hang on a minute, maybe you don't know enough about that. Maybe you're not, you don't have the education to know about that. Maybe you don't know the past history of that. To have an opinion on it and everyone goes on social media and starts fucking posting like however many flags and you know like fucking uh, watermelon emojis when they don't actually know what's really going on and that's not to take again by criticizing that i'm not taking a side i'm simply saying just calm your titties and think a little bit first that's all i'm saying yeah i mean the for number one the first step is to just figure out how the government actually works you know which is like a big obstacle <laughs> you know that was a few years exactly. ago, that was how I, you know, most people don't even understand how people get elected in this country, you know, the electoral college and how districts are gerrymandered and, you know, what that, right. you know, popular vote versus the electoral. I mean, they make it so, so esoteric and arcane in this country, how these systems work and no one really understands anything, you know, on the average person doesn't understand how elections work, you know, and that's part of the problem and they just want to look at the broad strokes and be emotional about things you know and that's the thing you got to pull emotion out of it and just like look at the actual facts you know and that's the and that's not the world we live in right now that at least over here it's everything's heightened and very emotional and people feel like they're victims and you know this group seems like feels like they haven't been acknowledged the right way and you know it's just crazy you know but it's uh with all that said you know i you know i still like living in the united states you know i i still consider the united states my home you know my my family were you know were, were immigrants and they came here and you know they found a, a good they made a good life here you know and i still believe in those things you know and that's something that you know i i hold that dear in my heart that you can have opportunity here you know at least at this Right now, on this day, it's that still exists, you know, and I hope that that continues to exist in this country. I totally respect I, that, man. Yeah, that's all I got to say about it. You know, I don't want to wave an American flag or anything like that, but like that's, you know, I, I've, you know, my my family came over here, you know, from overseas, from Europe, from Italy, from you know, from my father's side of the family came from Ireland and the UK, and 
they were able to make a good life for themselves here. And I, I really believe that that's something that I'd like to see continue in this country, you know? Well, you know, I totally, first of all, respect that. I appreciate that. I have more respect for people who feel that way about their own country than those who don't, you know? Yeah. It's just a fact of the matter, um, you know, because I think you can be critical. Like, you should be critical of your government, too. You should be critical of especially foreign policies and things like that. But, you know, you can also simultaneously be proud of uh, where you come from, where you live. Um, and I think that one thing that I totally appreciate and respect about America, and it, it's fucking so bizarre to me that I've never actually been there because I feel like I relate to Americans more than I relate to anyone else, pretty much. <laughs> and I'm sure... A lot of my British friends might be upset to hear this, or I'm sure a lot of my Scandinavian friends might be upset, but I relate most to Americans. I'm, I'm going to tell you why that is, because a lot of times, whenever I've met American people, like decent people, like I remember one time I met this, uh, this mother and daughter on a train, and uh, what was their name? Nancy and Laura, and they were from Nashville, Tennessee, right? And I spent a good uh, two hours, uh, two and a half hours talking to them. And I was trying to pick their brains because I'm, I'm generally fascinated with the United States anyway. But I was just talking to them for that period of time. And the thing that I got from them, I mean, first of all, they were lovely ladies. I really enjoyed speaking to them and very intelligent, both of them. Um, and uh, Nancy was a was a school teacher. So I, I was very intrigued to hear her perspective on things. And, uh, you know, uh, the thing that I always get from American people when I interact with them is the fact that you guys like success. Now, what do I mean by that? When you are in a place like, let's say, Britain, and I'm sure most British people would agree with this. Every British person would agree with what I'm about to say. Is that over here, if you start to get too big, or if you start to get ambitious, all they do is they bring you down because they're like, oh, no, you shouldn't be doing that. You know, this is just like, you know, what? who do you think you are? You know, and there's this like sarcastic, but also kind of really passive aggressive fucking thing to try and bring you down. And they'll actually take measures to bring you down as well. You know, they'll bitch to themselves. They say, oh, have you seen him? He's doing that. Ha, fuck that guy. You know, they try and bring you down. Long story short, they just try and bring it down because they're like, well, how dare you try and progress past this? And the part of this is because they're always very comfortable. I mean, first and foremost is the fact that British people are not very compatible with the idea of change. Okay. You try and change their diet. It destroys them mentally. Like you try to add some more spices to their food. They'll, uh, they'll lose their fucking mind, you know. By the way, Persian food is not spicy for anyone listening to this, you know, in case you're uncultured enough to think it is. Um, it's not. Uh, you know, and, 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 it, and it tastes better than Indian food. Um, but, you know, so <laughs> the thing that, that, that happens is uh, with Americans, now, you know, listen, there, there's, there's, you know, no one's perfect. But what I love about American people, at least the ones who I've met that I've really conversed and got to know, um, obviously yourself included there, I think that there's a there's this uh, when you're trying to be successful, when you're trying to go for it, there's this spirit of fuck yeah, go for it. You know, let's see how far you can go. Good for you. And 
I've never seen that anywhere else. And I absolutely adore that about Americans. And I adore that about your country. It's a very, very lovely part of the culture there. I know it's not applicable to everyone, but it's a spirit that resonates with me a lot and is perhaps responsible for a lot of the success of the country as well you know um it's a real shame that the foreign policies in the last 20 years has been such a fucking shit show um because i really think you know like as, as a part of me that's like oh man it could it's so good it's so close to being good it could be so much better you know that i i i don't know why as an iranian guy who uh used to purposely avoid stepping on the american flag which was forced upon us in school uh, to purposely disrespect the USA um you know i um, i like that about the country and it bothers me that it's in the situation that it is now um uh, i don't know if that's some kind of weird patriotism coming through for a country i've never visited for a country that <laughs> that might be responsible for a lot of things but i don't know i don't know it's a, it's a very weird one for me um i i hope it gets better somehow i don't know I mean, there, there's a, definitely a duality in the United States about that, especially the things that you were talking about. I mean, the, um, you know, this like uh, passion for success, you know, there's like, it's good and bad, you know, just like everything else. It's like in an extreme, it means you like steamroll over people and that sort of stuff. But it also, yeah. you know, I, I, I consider myself someone who want, I want to be successful. I, I like money. I like making money. I like having comfortable things. You know, I do pretty well, you know, professionally. So it's, uh, that's all good things, you know, but there's also the trappings of that, which a lot of these like John Wayne motherfuckers that represent the United States in Europe, sometimes I think like the ugly American, you know, it's a lifestyle thing more than an actual uh, measure of where they are in the success of their lives. You know what I mean? There's like this loud guns, you know, this whole thing, uh, big trucks, you know, stuff like that, which uh, I know that Europeans perceive Americans typically in that light. They're always talking about how good they are, like how great it is, you know. I got these guns, everyone's got pistols, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, that, that's that's yeah. like the sort of uh, the the dark side, I guess, of that pioneer spirit you know which i think is what a lot of people in this country might rest their hats on that you know yeah the westward expansion you know we conquered north america you know that sort of thing and uh you know that that's good and bad you know and and like i said in in measure in you have to be measured about everything you do man that's that's how i see it you know it's like yeah there's good there's bad it's up to you to measure how much of these things you want to apply to yourself and be aware of how that like interacts with people and the environment around you, you know, and that that's kind of like my, my perspective on a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think that's, that's the best way to look at it as well, you know, is to have a realistic balanced viewpoint, you know, I'm mainly just, picking on the on the positive things you know like yeah i could yeah, also criticize a lot of things sure. about it as well but i'm focused on what's actually positive about it and what i like about the country and you know what to perhaps end on a controversial note as well uh i actually love the idea of the second amendment i think that's a sure. that's a beautiful thing 
you know and the idea behind that as well that people got to remember is that it's not just about being edgy and having a fucking gun no it's to actually be able to defend yourself against tyranny which is essentially your own government so when you have power your government can turn against you so if they all of a sudden decide make start to make tyrannical decisions and then start uh, shifting the stock market to their own interest or they start uh, closing down your business because of a boogeyman vi virus or or whatever that's happening then you know then at least you have the right to defend yourself and you can show up at their office with arms and that's the thing that they're scared of by the way if the government in america knowing how corrupt they are if the if the right to bear arms wasn't a th thing, um, they would be doing a lot worse things. That's for sure. I can, I can. Guarantee. I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm a fan of it too. I mean, I, I shoot. I don't own a gun, but I, I've trained in South Jersey. You know, what I mean, I look at it as like, I. The thing is, when I, when I decided I wanted to learn about guns and pistols, I, I wanted, I learned about it. You know what I mean? I learned how to yeah. shoot. I learned about the weapons. I learned about the different aspects of it you know it's like i looked at it as like a martial art you know but the um i the responsible ownership of guns is and and you and it comes down to that and your and your conduct you know it's like if you drive a car and you like kill a bunch of people in your car they take your license away from you you know what i mean like i don't exactly. believe in this like carte blanche like everyone could just be armed all the time you know i think that that is uh, a little bit irresponsible you know what i mean from a lot of people whining and complaining about how the government's regulating firearms and all this stuff you know and and like yeah i think it should be regulated i think you should have to have a background check to make sure you're not going to go out and kill a bunch of people you know and oh well, yeah exactly of course yeah yeah i think where i come from is uh you know listen like of course that would be a good thing uh you know the way i look at it is I would much prefer it if guns just did not exist, right? Like as it, like as if yeah. there was no guns left on the planet. Because to me, it's a very weird way of cheating nature. It's a weird way of cheating battle. Um, it's not something that I like. I wish you know, like if people, especially teenagers, had the opportunity to do hand in hand combat to resolve their problems rather than listen to some bullshit rap music and then go fucking stab each other or shoot each other. Um, there would be a lot less deaths, first of all, but there would also be a lot more personal growth because a lot of times as men, once you take that aggression out, you're good. You go out and fucking drink afterwards, you know, uh, and, and you get over it. But it's when you get give people these ways of cheating nature, which is what guns are. It's what nuclear bombs are. You know, uh, it's sure. uh, that's that's when that's when shit gets fucking weird. But as long as it exists, then it's something that uh, everyone should have access to. Otherwise, you are simply just vulnerable. You know, and uh, I feel that way in the UK. You know, especially with the notoriety of Trivex going up, and I know that. The Muslim community is not particularly extremely pleased with what we've done, you know, which is which to me is a fucking victory, first and foremost. But I will say that, you know, that's something that makes me a little bit uncomfortable. Um, now, you could say, well, if you were a place where everyone had access to it, then blah, blah, blah. Wouldn't that be more dangerous? No, no, I, I don't I don't think so. And um, and 
Yeah, yeah, it's a tricky subject. And and you know what? On top of it as well, uh, speaking of Islamic places, um, you know, the, the, another thing that I, I want to leave this podcast with and, and for people to think about, if you want to think strategically, I don't know anyone's been following what's been happening in Iran since uh, September 2022, but uh, if the Iranian people had something like the right to bear arms, that government would have been gone within the first month of those riots. That's all I'm saying. That's definitely something to think about. And uh, it, as we were talking about this, and you're you're bringing up your points, I actually was thinking about that for sure. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Well, there you go. Exactly. I mean, there's so many examples of it throughout history. You know, like you you yeah. you gotta you need to understand how power works. You don't just get given rewards by being a good citizen or a good person. All you get is your powers taken away by people who are just the same as you at the end of the day. So you, you've got to understand how the power dynamic works between a citizen and the government. And I honestly think the lesser government you got, the fucking better. But here we are. <laughs> what do I know? I'm a black metal musician, right? <laughs> Diane, as usual, it was a pleasure. And uh, I thank you for carving out some time. Talk to me. And uh, hopefully in 2024, we all all of us get to see each other that would be great right that would be amazing man i mean 2023 is gone already but 2024 would be would be perfect uh, if we had the if we had the chance to do that man but no listen uh on a serious note thank you so much brother for uh, for having me on it's been a blast to have the chat and more importantly just to have the have an excuse to catch up really it's been fun man absolutely man we should do this more often bro all right man I think so too. I think so too. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. I'll take care. Bye-bye.